0: You're listening to Pondering the Bible,
1: a deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Gorkin. Stay with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 7, Episode 2, and as always, we pray we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen.
1: So, we're still in—we just started Season 7. Last week was Ascension Sunday. Right. This Sunday is... Pentecost. Pentecost, okay. Yeah.
0: And, well, we'll talk about it when we read through the Scripture, what what Pentecost is and how it came about. And then next week is the Holy Sunday of Trinity Sunday. And I said we'd be in Acts for that, too. And I wasn't really thinking because Acts doesn't really have a, a good section specifically focused on the Trinity. Oh! So I'm probably going to be working out of a different text next Sunday. I haven't quite picked it out yet. So this last week, acts this week, acts next week. Not sure. TBD. And week <laughs> after that,
1: we're talking about a buy, right? Yeah. So, so we'll have the vacation Bible school overtake the podcast for a week. So, yes. <laughs> all right. So, We started to say, what book and chapter and verses are we reading from this week for Pentecost?
0: So, today we're in chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And you're reading from the? From NLT, very minor differences between varying translations. Okay. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered. To hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's
1: all. Amen. Kind of hard to amen on the drunk line there. All right. So what is, it starts out that on the day of Pentecost, what is Pentecost? I mean, I think of it as a Christian holiday, but it's really not. No, it's a Jewish
0: holiday. It occurs 50 days after Passover. Proper. The idea is there are seven weeks of weeks, seven sevens, forty nine days, and then the day after that, Pentecost. So always fifty days after, and that always puts it on a Sunday. Pentecost always happens on a Sunday. And like Passover, it's one of the required pilgrimages for the for devout Jews. If you came from another part of the world, and you made that big, long trip, you were only going to come for Passover. Right. That's the big one, right? That's that's the monster. But if you if you lived within 20 miles of the city of Jerusalem, you were required to attend Pentecost. And if you didn't have a lot of money or you had a bigger family and you wanted to make a pilgrimage— Passover is too expensive, but you could go a couple of months later on Pentecost, still make your pilgrimage, still visit the holy city, still see the holy temple and, and check all of the boxes for salvation. Okay. Get all, get everything done, but it wouldn't cost you near as much or be as difficult. And what's interesting is Luke writes that, and all the believers were gathered in one room. We know from chapter one. There are roughly 120 Christians in the world at this time, and they're all right there in Jerusalem, male and female, we know for a fact. And with Passover, we know that Jesus held the Last Supper in the upper room. And so there's real strong information that this is probably in the upper room as well. There aren't that many places where you could get a lot of people together, and there aren't that many places that you could reserve for a holy holiday. People could make a lot of money renting out a spare room, or especially a great big upper room like this, to pilgrims. So we know, or our best understanding is that the upper room belongs to John Mark's mother, Right. She's one of the patrons and followers of Jesus, and she, we believe, gave them the upper room for the Last Supper. John Mark is the same one who will write the Gospel of Mark. And we believe that she probably donated the same room then to all of the Christians for Pentecost. So, they're all gathered back in the same place where they were on the morning of the resurrection.
1: Okay, So, trying my best here, it was about 40 days after the resurrection that Jesus ascended last week. Yes, And so, this is kind of like roughly 10 days later. Exactly. Jesus has only been gone for 10 days. And Jesus told them, stay in the city until... Not to leave the room, even if you come and get him. What happens next? You know, right. Until power comes upon you. Exactly. And that's what this is all about. Correct. So he's ten days. <laughs> all right. Cool. Okay, do you want to work through this verse by verse? Yes, or how let's do, you want do that. Okay. We just kind of covered verse one with, yeah. on the day of Pentecost. And it's a funny page flip right here. Okay, so verse two. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Okay, now I have in my mind's eye a cartoonish view of little (laughs) flames dancing on on a shoulder, right? I I don't think that's really what it looks like, but that's kind of the the mental image that comes to my mind. But I was thinking about it preparing for this, I'm like, wouldn't it be actually cooler if it was like almost from shoulder to shoulder, a flame all the way, you know, all the way across, that'd look cooler, right? (laughs) I don't know. So the first thing that happens and we don't really talk about it is this big wind, Yeah, right? And it's, it sounds like it's a big noise because it occurs, it draws everybody from Jerusalem later. But so what's, what about this wind?
0: The Hebrew word, for holy spirit is ruach hmm. but its literal meaning is the breath of god so in genesis chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 when it talks about you know there was chaos and the darkness over the the water and the spirit of god hovered over the waters it it literally says the breath of god hovered over the water. And when Adam is created, chapter 2, like around verse 3 or so, and God breathes into him, the other way you could write that is, and God puts the Holy Spirit in him. Right. Those two are interchangeable,
1: Holy Spirit and breath of God. We think of the Spirit maybe as a a phantasm kind of entity yeah. that's, that's hard to describe, so breath or wind, yeah, you know invisible, but you can feel it. So you right. know what something's there. So what better word than <laughs> breath or wind yeah. to describe such a thing?
0: Okay. When we get to the New Testament, the word that's used is pneuma. And you'll recognize that as the root of the word pneumatic, mm-hmm. which is a tool that's driven by air, or pneumonia, which is when you have a lack of air. Um, and so even in the New Testament, spirit and and wind or air or breath are intimately tied together so when god first arrived, when the holy spirit first arrives the fact that it would be air mm-hmm. and that you would hear this mighty powerful breath of god actually makes perfect sense that's the most reasonable thing to be The Holy Spirit. That's the way it's been described in, in all the books of the Bible up until this, this point. The second manifestation of God, the second theophany of God then is like tongues of fire. And, and it, the word, no matter what translation you use, it's going to say like. Right. (laughs) <laughs> because they didn't know exactly what they were seeing, and they did the best they could to describe it. And so they had to say, well, it was kind of like this or, 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 or that. The fact that it would be light makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. right? First words that God speaks.
1: Let there be light.
0: Right. God is the owner and creator of light. So that his spirit would manifest as light also makes perfect sense. Now, this fire like thing that comes down to all of them. And that's all 120. It's not just the the eleven. The eleven, exactly. It's all the believers, male and female, one hundred and twenty of them gathered together. Whatever this light is that comes to them isn't like a shock of, of like a lightning bolt. Right. Right. It doesn't just zap down and, mm. and speak into cartoons where you see the skeleton right. light up inside. <laughs> the guy. No, 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 no. Whatever this is comes to them very slowly, very methodically, very deliberately, very intelligently. It's not just like, boom, and there's light. No, it comes down and rests on each individual Christian there, which is why we frequently describe the Holy Spirit as a dove or a bird, because it comes down, but birds don't zap like lightning. Birds know where they want to go, they choose their landing spot, they alight very softly and deliberately. And so those three images become tied to the Holy Spirit because of just this one
1: event. Interesting. Okay, verse 4 then. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Yeah. Why would that be the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in these people, other languages? What's that about?
0: The Apostle Paul makes it really clear. When you become a believer, you get a spiritual gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift, an ability that you did not have before and that is given to you by the Holy Spirit, but very specifically to serve the needs of the church, your your spiritual gift is not for you. Right. Your spiritual gift is to serve the rest of the church. Well, at this point in time what what the church needed more than anything else was more believers and a mechanism to get transported throughout the world in accordance with Jesus's wishes. And what easier way to do that than to witness to all of these pilgrims in the city of Jerusalem in their own native tongue. Right. That's going to impact them greater than anything else. And and so language makes sense because it's not for these 120 Christians. It's for all the people that they're going to go out and talk to. That's the most logical spiritual gift
1: at this moment in history. Verse 5 and (laughs) 6. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, that's the wind, right? Yes. Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Okay, what's happening here?
0: So something interesting, without Luke writing it, it, we now know that they've moved out of the upper room and out into the streets. Okay. Um, they can't interface with these believe with these these foreigners if they're still in the upper room isolated for their own celebration. So right. Luke doesn't say so but they had to have gone outside. And so the noise that may have originally caught everyone's attention was the mighty wind or at this point it might be all of this babbling going on in different languages and people start to hear hey wait that guy over there is talking my language. And so it all starts to separate into groups and clumps based on on language. People hear their native tongues. What they are hearing is absolutely true, real language. This is like speaking Italian, speaking Russian, speaking Chinese. It's a real language. Later on, many years later, we're going to have a phenomenon called glossolalia, and that's when someone stands up and speaks and it's not a true language it, it may just be clicking or it may be an odd collection of sounds and someone else is going to stand up and start interpreting that and that's going to what we're going to mostly refer to as the gift of tongues right i was going to
1: say that's that's speaking in tongues
0: right not in <clears throat> languages but in Tongues, which is is different. What happened here on this day was true, honest language coming out, praising God for right. the wonderful
1: things he has done. Okay. Verse 7, they, all the witnesses, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. Okay. I know what they're <laughs> saying there. <laughs> Galileans were like the the. The dumb folks, right they're the, yes. yeah, they're the the hicks, the the backwaters folk that yep. are not very bright. Just
0: confirm that we're the redneck hick state that everybody thinks we are.
1: And so we're just gonna these backwater folks are speaking in all these languages. That can't be right. It can't be right. These
0: are uneducated Galileans. <laughs> right? How could they be? How could they be doing that?
1: <laughs> so jab, jab. Right? Yes,
0: that's a real insult nestled there in verse seven. Right.
1: Okay, so then eight, we and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages, which is what you just spoke about, right?
0: Yes. And eight through eleven is just the list right. of the different languages that they could verify and validate on that that morning. And and this is this is significant because in just this one day, Christianity is gonna explode. Right. It's it ten days after Jesus leaves we are going to go from 120 disciples and apostles to an almost unfathomable number. If we continue to read through chapter 2, we would see that Peter gives a sermon to all the people that come to hear this this preaching. And at the end of that sermon, 3,000 men are baptized as Christians. Right. But the other thing we know is that men made the decision for the entire family on faith. Dad chose what we're all going to be. And one of the ideas of Pentecost was you can bring your whole family for less money. So, almost certainly, the majority of men who were baptized that day also had their wife and kids right. along who would have been baptized as well. So, the true number is the church grows from 120 to somewhere between six and 10,000 in one day. Wow. That's amazing. It, it, it's amazing. And all of these people— are going to leave Jerusalem and we know from the list that we were given they're going to travel to every corner of the known world. No part of the educated world will be without a Christian from this day on. Right. So Christianity in in this one movement just explodes.
1: Right. Yeah, so as they as they leave the Pentecost festival, yeah, they go home and they say, "Hey, Here's what happened to me, right? Basically, they're witnessing, right? Exactly. This is what what happened to me. Here's (laughs) what
0: happened to me. And they don't know Bible. No. They they don't know New Testament. They haven't traveled with Jesus. They haven't seen the miracles of healing. But they, they know the Holy Spirit touches their hearts that day, and
1: they believe. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. And then so 12 and 13, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. And 13, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all.
0: You're not drunk. I'm not drunk. He's not drunk. I'm actually not drunk. He's actually not drunk. I'm not drunk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so some people were really amazed, and other people, not so much. You know, the world
0: hadn't changed yeah. a bit. Uh, even today, some people get it, some people don't. What's, and, you know, no matter how you understand that to work, that is a truth. Two people can hear the same story, and one embraces faith, and the other adamantly rejects faith. And it was no different on Pentecost morning.
1: So some seeds fell on the good soil, and some yes. fell on the path. That's
0: <laughs> right. Some people saw the light, and some were under a bush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just to tie it all together for you. Okay, are we doing anything special in the church on Pentecost? on Sunday.
0: We, our tradition has been, we fill a table with as many candles, red candles, as we can possibly get on that table. And we light those just before worship and let those twinkle and and glow throughout the entire service to just be a real visual representation to people of, of a variety of shapes and, and figures of
1: candles. But all one spirit, one fire right. under God. Very cool. Anything else on this one? Nope, that's I, it. I kind of jumped out of order there, but okay. Have you given any sermon title yet?
0: Calling this one uneasy, as we dissect the verses on Sunday, there are multiple moments of uneasiness. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to take that unease away. So that you're confident witnessing, you're confident preaching, you're confident to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. So what starts as a great deal of unease
1: eventually becomes very comfortable. Very good. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Click there, roll down to Sermons, and look for the sermon, Uneasy. And this will have been delivered on May 28th. 2023. So almost the end of May. Oh my god. This gosh. is the
0: last Sunday in May already. Time on
1: slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Wow. Okay. That joke for you. Yeah. All right. So I built a model of Mount Everest and my son asked me if it was to scale. And I said, "No, it's just to look at." <laughs> <laughs> With that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Rocky Ellison and Ken <laughs> Corkins reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.